0: So, Matt, what's made of leather and sounds like a sneeze? (laughs) I I don't
1: know. A shoe. (laughs) (laughs) God.
0: Good morning, everybody, and welcome to the Graveyard. Thank you for joining us tonight. My name is Adam.
1: And my name's Matt. Now,
0: pull up a tombstone or settle into your casket and get comfortable, because this is Graveyard Tales. (laughs) All right, Matt. So this is trial,
1: what, two of this episode? (laughs) Yeah, we've had some technical difficulties. Yeah. and But y- you don't have to stand by. No, so exactly. You just you get it. The good
0: thing of recording early. <laughs> um, so we were able to get through those and go back to the old school way of us doing this. So right. let's hope y'all don't notice any yeah. difference. Hope my you'll, editing magic works fine.
1: You'll so, notice nothing. Yeah. So... <laughs>
0: Uh, first off, we wanted to thank this week's sponsor care of, um, if y'all haven't gone and checked them out, please do so. Um, also, you know, thanks to everybody. We've seen some new Patreon subscribers here lately, so we appreciate that. And we appreciate all of you guys support. Um, so I mean, I don't have anything
1: else really, Matt, we can get straight into it. No, I'm, I'm just noticing that my chair is, Making a fart. Is that noise. what that was? I thought yeah. that was
0: actually you farting. No, um.
1: no, it's my. I need some WD 40. <laughs> okay. I just, I've not noticed that. And I just pivoted a little bit in the chair and all of a sudden, yeah, yeah. there it is. So yep. You see, if, if you don't hear it, that's okay. There, there's if, a, if you hear it and wondered, yeah, that, that was, I, I heard I'm, it. I'm not that crude. And I looked up at Matt and went,
0: <laughs> really? This is what we're doing? <laughs> <laughs>
1: It's the chair, I swear. Yeah,
0: sure it is. <laughs> all right, so tonight we're going to talk about astrology, and we're going to get kind of into the ins and outs, the history of it, what it is, what it ain't, and all that good stuff, but the sky has always been something that's been full of intrigue and mystery for humans, and for centuries we've tried to understand it, to make sense of it, to, you know, help our lives out, and we've developed theories to explain everything that we see up there. And astrology is the study of the sky, and it's interpreting everything that's up there and the supposed effects of the heavenly bodies on human existence. Now, according to many people, past and present, the sky is the home of many of the gods who influence life on Earth. So the pattern in the sky must surely reflect that influence, right?
1: Yeah. I mean, that's what people thought and still think. Right. I mean, you know, pretty much everybody has looked at a horoscope or knows what their zodiac sign is. Right. So, you know, I would say probably most people know what astrology is. They probably just don't really know a lot about how it's done. You know, it's it's not a. Uh, We're just going to write up some cool things to put in the newspaper so that everybody can look and go, oh, well, I better be careful today. I'm liable to fall in a in a in a well or something. Right. Right. (laughs) It's not exactly that. There's there's much more that goes into it. And, you know, people put a lot of stock in it. Sometimes sometimes it's just fun. Mm -hmm. I, I think it's fun when you when you read one and you're able to correlate it to something that happened. So I, I like to read a horoscope that is for the a week ago.
0: Yeah. yeah and just then, to see and if, then if it see works,
1: if it fits. Yeah. Now, you know, sometimes you're biased if you do things like that because you'll you'll infer sometimes incorrectly and make something fit that probably wouldn't fit. Right. You know, just because maybe you're wanting it to. You're looking for it. To. Sure. And, you know, so if, you know, you you got a bad egg salad sandwich and your horoscope said something along the lines of, you know, you know, be on the lookout for illness, you know, keep your health up, you know, like, oh, my God, it it predicted that I was going to eat a bad egg salad sandwich.
0: (laughs) Right, right.
1: (laughs) No, probably not. Yeah, probably not.
0: But, Matt, why don't you get into and tell us what astrology is not.
1: Okay, so I mean, you know, astrology is a lot of things, but here are some things that real astrologers want you to know that astrology is not. So, number one, it's not magic. Okay, I mean, you know, these people are not psychic. You know, they they aren't fortune tellers. You know, although although a lot of fortune tellers will make uh, references to astrology, that that's not what a true astrologer is. Now, the science and and I'm uh, we're going to use that term although it's questionable as to whether astrology is considered a science. I sure. think most scientists don't consider astrology a science.
0: Yeah, probably not.
1: Astrologers do. Um but the science um behind the practice of astrology it's based on thousands of years of research. And and with any real science, you know, the understanding of it has to evolve just like humans do. So, just like you know, alchemy paved the way for a lot of modern science research and the the scientific method. Most people don't know that, but alchemists developed what we now know as the scientific method. Astrology does the same thing, and it and it, it lends itself to understand um, the energies that permeate the universe and and how their their changes will affect life for humans Mm -hmm. on earth now another point is astrology is not like some new age fad now everybody has seen that you know palm reading tarot card reading you know fortune telling all that kind of stuff you know the the signs and it's like it's like a, it's like a trailer or some true, little shack yeah. and there's some little gypsy, you know, woman sitting there with a turban, you know, in a crystal ball.
0: You see it a lot in Florida. <laughs> you do.
1: Yeah. You do. Yeah. <laughs> it's everywhere. Um but you know, tourist towns in general will have a lot true, of that stuff. True. That's that's not what it is. Okay? Um you know, especially in Europe, astrology is is much more um popular, but you know, you'll you'll find these people that are essentially snake oil salesmen. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're they're gonna they're gonna have all these, you know, maps of the sky and these astrological charts and they're gonna they're gonna tell you that they read all this stuff and you know, they're gonna tell you, you know, oh, you your love life is is in peril and you know, you you shouldn't go into any new business ventures and things like that. Most of the time, they're just reading cues from you to tell you what you wanna hear. Right. You know, so there are some out there, I'm sure, that are legit and and they're they're doing true astrological readings for 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 people. But I would say the majority of them are, you know, I don't want to call them frauds, you know, but I imagine there's enough of those out there, too. Um, But some of them are just they're they're not well trained or, or they have. They uh, overextend what their abilities truly are. Sure, sure. Um, So you got to be careful, but it's not something that is just, you know, fleeting. Like I said, it's been around for thousands of years. Now, real astrology is, is an ancient practice done by respected individuals throughout history and right up to today. Now, you usually will not find a true astrologer Selling their service with a bunch of exaggerated claims of being able to predict the future, making promises that they're going to be able to um, improve your love life or improve your finances, any of that stuff. They won't do that. Um, most of the time, you you won't find an astrologer anywhere near some of these new age shops where you're going to find like crystals and essential oils and herbs and all that stuff. That That's not their gig. Right. Okay. Now. Another another thing that astrology is not, is it's not based on superstitions or, as I read, mumbo-jumbo. Um, there's a lot of confusion about whether or not astrology is a legitimate science. And that stems from the fact that, historically, astrologers use a lot of symbolism and allegory to communicate their understanding of how the positions of heavenly bodies are affect life here on Earth. Now, modern astrologers will still use the same terminology and symbolism, and I think that turns off a lot of other scientific researchers. Sure, You know, it, sure. it doesn't look like science to them, so it, it must not be. You know, it, it's a lot of guesswork and inference and things like that. Um, but, I mean, truthfully, we don't have a A real solid understanding about um you know how electromagnetic waves and radioactive energy really affect a person as far as you know their mood or their personality or their likes or dislikes you know or whether or not they're you know an introvert or an extrovert right and and that's what astrology is looking at
0: they're just kind of starting to get into looking at how. Electrical fields and stuff affect the human brain, right? You know, so it's not something that they've been studying for a long time, and they have seen that it does affect. Like we've talked about it before with um, different fear responses Mm -hmm. in people; that it can generate fear responses. Yeah, but if it can generate fear responses, why couldn't it generate other responses in
1: you? Yeah, and don't get us wrong; we're we're not saying that we haven't studied you know, electromagnetic fields and radioactive waves and things like that on the effect on the on the human body. Right. We have. I mean, there's been a lot of research in that, you know, understanding, you know, the detriment to your physical body that these things may or may not have. There's been a lot of research into that. Mm -hmm. But what there's not a lot of research on is, like Adam said, you know, how it affects your your mood and personality. You know, what would you do something different if the energy surrounding you was different? Would you make an alternate choice if you were in a different environment? Maybe, maybe not. But that's where the research is lacking. And I think that's why a lot of scientists look at this and go, "Eh, I don't think so. Because, again, at its heart, it's all talking about how the heavenly bodies affect that. Mm -hmm. You know, how the gravity of the moon would affect, you know, what what you were going to do today. Or more specifically, what time you might do that thing today. We're Mm -hmm. going to get into more of that. But the last point I want to make is that astrology is not easy. Okay? Now, modern day computers have made charting a lot easier. So designing an astrological chart or prepping one for someone is a lot easier because all of the planetary movement and all of the... The past planetary positions and, and, and you know, the positions of the sun and the moon, they can be tracked and stored in a computer so that when you plug in a date, it will give you that information back. So that makes it easy. But having that raw data doesn't make you an astrologer. Mm-hmm. It just gives you that raw data. If you don't know what to interpret or how to interpret it, it's really not doing any good. It just kind of looks neat.
0: Yeah.
1: So the most accurate readings still require human intervention and that has to come from someone who's skilled and trained on how to do it and how to do it correctly mm-hmm. and it, and it you know doing the research this is a lot like remote viewing to me because you could have some personal bias you know especially if if you were doing a an astrological chart for a friend or a family member, you know, you might not want to tell them something that would influence a decision they may or may not make that could somehow affect you. Right, right. You know, if your great, great uncle, who's a billionaire, comes to you, you know, the amateur astrologer and says, I need to know that if I leave my money to X, Y, and Z." That it's gonna be the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, oh no, the stars say that you should leave all your money to me. Right? You know, <laughs> I will take.
0: It. I'll do. I'll do the best job with it.
1: <laughs> so, so that's that's a that's a funny analogy. But you know, there could be some bias in there. Just like with remote viewing, you know, i I've, I've got an idea of what this is going to be. It's going to interfere with what I'm actually trying to accomplish here. So it's not easy. You know, it's not something you can just sit down and do. It's easy to read a a horoscope. Right. But a lot of the major publications that produce horoscopes are using astrologers that have done this for years and years and years and have really tried to hone their craft so that the readings that they do are are more accurate for the reader.
0: Right. Right. So... Let's get into kind of where astrology started and its beginnings and all that good stuff. Um, Now, astronomical observation began in very early civilizations, and some of the earliest civilizations that developed these observations were in Mesopotamia, and in Mesopotamia, there were prominent astronomical observers. And that's where they found these constellations that we use today. Um, And they were found and they were recognized. All of this happened around 3000 BC. And similarly, these sky watchers of Mesopotamia also identified five of the quote, wandering stars. And so with the sun and the moon, they form the seven original planets. Now, planets is Greek for wanderers. Now, within Mesopotamia, the Babylonians were a flourishing society, and they are some of the first great astronomers. Now, the minutes and seconds of modern astronomical measurement derive from their number system, and it's the Babylonians who introduced the useful concept of the zodiac. Now, the Babylonians realize that the zodiac, or the sequence of constellations that the sun and planets appear along as they pass through the heavens that they see, they can serve as a yardstick, kind of, for celestial time, but you've got to divide it into recognizable equal segments. Now, they select 12 constellations to represent these segments. Now, many of them identified these by the names of animals. Now, the Greeks are who later provided the term for the zodiac because they described it as the animal circle or zodiacos kyklos. That's pretty good. Thank you. I, I, it's probably <laughs> horribly wrong, but it sounded right to us. Well, it's all Greek to me. Yeah, I'm, gonna, but I'm <laughs> so <laughs> The Zodiac links constellations with times of year, and the constellations have their own links with the gods. So scientific observation of star positions merge with the speculation about divine influence. Yeah. So we kind of see that tie in start to happen where, you know, you've got way back the scientific observation of stars and then the more divine look into the stars and what they mean. Now, the zodiac as a concept, at that point, started to be very useful for both astronomers and astrologers. Now, the Greeks make a lot of advances in the fields of both astronomy and astrology. Now, in astronomy, their analytical approach to the heavens leads to early insights, But astrology benefits from the wide range of the Greek gods. So, linked with the planets and the constellations, they they have these very human deities, and that makes astrology more exciting for people. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Um, Greek interest in in the individual extends the astrologer's range. You know, it it originally was to help affairs of the state. And to figure out what to do in different state roles, and should we cast a vote today and should we not? And it ended up at that point branching out and you know trying to tell the fortunes of ordinary people. Now in India, India has its own system of astrology, and it that started probably back as early as a thousand BC but they were influenced by the Greek astrology during the Hellenistic period. So that's where the Western version of the Zodiac is introduced into India. Now, the same pattern occurs elsewhere as other periods uh, in history kind of see that Western invasion of Greek Mm -hmm. influence. Now, in most parts of the world... Astrology is starting to thrive again in the 20th century Um, in countries such as India that we just talked about, though, it's never really lost its appeal. No important step in life can be safely taken unless the signs are in your favor. So you can't get married unless the signs say it's good for you to get married. You have to wait until your astrological sign says it's cool.
1: Yeah, and I think some of that the, the resurgence of it is due to the you know the the the, the growth of things like, you know, herbal medicine mm-hmm. and you know studies on you know ma- magnets used for, you know, health purposes. You know, different things like that. Um essential oils would mm-hmm. be another one. Um you know, I guess we could lump crystals in there like I mentioned before, but those things seem to go hand in hand when you begin to look at, you know, your emotional and spiritual health along with your physical health. They just kind of seem to go hand in hand. But as we mentioned before, astrologers don't necessarily see it that way. Right. I think, the you know, the average person, you know, if you walked into, like, an herbal shop you know you probably wouldn't be surprised if you saw an astrological chart hanging on the wall or something like that mm-hmm. you, or or to find out that your herbalist was you know into astrology you know and 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 either offered you know astrological readings or you know used her own or his own astrological reading to determine when the right time to harvest herbs or to take herbs you know, right. and, and, you know, you 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 can even get into, you know, some modern era witchcraft here, mm-hmm. um, you know, based on the movement of the moon. So I think that the reason you see more and more of that now is because those things, the the herbalism and things like that have become more popular. And it increases the average person's curiosity as to, huh, what else is out there? You yeah. know what? What what else? If if I'm gonna buy into this, maybe I'll buy into this
0: we're, too. We're we're going back to some of the more early versions of medicine and self care. Yeah, rather than you know relying on all you know doctors and nurses and stuff, and it, it it you know that can be good and that can be bad, and that's a discussion for another yeah. time. And, you, you know, know my, but,
1: and and on an aside, my my opinion on that is is that people nowadays tend to want to take a more personal approach to w- what goes on with their mind and body. You know, I'm I'm going to, I'm going to rely less on what another person tells me I should be doing. And I'm going to learn what my body mm-hmm. does. Sure. You know, I, nobody knows my body or my mind as well as I do. I'm going to do my own investigating. And I think that investigation has led to this this resurgence sure you know sure you know like i said hey if i'm gonna dig into essential oils and herbs hell i might as well look at astrology too
0: right now one of the things that you know you can't have astrology without is the zodiac and as we talked before the zodiac comes from the greek word meaning circle of animals
1: what's your sign
0: my sign is virgo mine's feces i don't think that's right (laughs) I don't no think way. that's in yeah. there. <laughs> no,
1: that's not right. That's a that, joke.
0: You just are one.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I heard that one time and I thought it was hilarious. <laughs> no, I'm actually I'm actually Aquarius. Yeah, what mine is, and and, and I bet ninety nine percent of you guys listening, you you know your zodiac sign.
0: Sure, sure. I mean, it's easy
1: to find out, but most people just know.
0: Right. It somehow we just that's something that mm-hmm. we inherently know, and. We're getting into kind of some stuff to learn about (laughs) your signs here. Um, But it's believed to have developed in ancient Egypt, actually, and then moved into the Babylonians. Um, Early astrologers knew that it took the 12 cycles for the sun to return to its original position. So they found these 12 constellations, like we were saying. And they assign the names of certain animals and persons to them. Now, the signs of the zodiac are are subdivided into four different groups. Now, kind of pay attention to this and, and let's link it back to one of our other episodes about elementals. Now, there's fire signs. So Aries, Sagittarius and Leo. Now, there's water signs, Cancer, Scorpio and Pisces. Or feces, as Matt calls them. (laughs) Um, There's air signs, which are Libra, Aquarius, and Gemini. And then there are the Earth signs, Capricorn, Taurus, and Virgo. And Matt and I were kind of discussing this a little bit before we started, because I had started to make this correlation to elemental things. And I'm a Virgo, which is an Earth sign. And we were talking about... The elemental spirits that we may correlate more with, and mm-hmm. you know, mine is out in the woods, mm-hmm. so it would be an earth elemental and an earth sign. Now, Matt, interesting. We were talking because you feel more comfortable at the at the beach in the yeah, ocean waves and stuff, mm-hmm. but your sign happens to be in the air signs. Yeah. And you found out something kind of cool about that.
1: Yeah, so I I thought I thought it was interesting too, because I was kind of like, Oh, Aquarius is a water sign. Because the symbol for Aquarius is the water bearer. You know. So I thought, how in the world is is the the water bearer an air sign? Well, this is the explanation. So the the water signs, Cancer, Scorpio, and Pisces, they they all have attributes that are individual to each sign within the water signs. Um, and Aquarius doesn't fit in there. Aquarius, like I said, it's the image of the water bearer pouring water from a jar on his elbow. Now, here's the difference. The water signs, Cancer, Scorpio, and Pisces, all have to do with salt water, with the ocean. Sure. and you know, according to study, the the water bearer is pouring fresh water, okay. which makes it different. Right. But in the image, the jar is near his head. Okay. So that indicates, this is like reading tarot. Yeah. That indicates that there is a relationship between the water and the air. Okay. And that it being up near the head makes it, a, a thought relationship. So there is a, a ethereal, you know, relationship between air and water. And the sign of Aquarius is the image of that relationship. This is the way I understand it. Mm-hmm. Now, somebody out there that knows more about me may say, Oh, you got this all wrong. I'm just basing this on what I could find. So right. if if you know for sure you know more about why the you know aquarius would be considered an air sign as opposed to a water sign let us know i mean but this this is what i was able to find the the salt water of the ocean is untamed it's unpredictable and that is why those three water signs are are, are are water signs. They're, right. They're related to the seawater. That that uh the the thought relationship of the water bearer for Aquarius has more to do with air than it actually does with the water that he's bearing. So that's why the Aquari the sign of Aquarius fits into the air. I thought maybe well they just they, they just were going with this three pattern and yeah, they ran they needed, out of spots. They needed so, another one <laughs> uh, we'll just make it make it an air sign. Yeah. But you know the the water signs are more related to desire and emotion and phlegm believe it or not super <laughs> it was that's like one of those what okay well,
0: <laughs> that that that's one of those old um humors
1: yeah yeah that, exactly
0: you know you've got uh yellow bile black bile phlegm and blood mm mm-hmm. mhm so yeah
1: yeah i mean it it all connects you know so so uh, that's just an interesting point
0: there yeah and and we got kind of into that before, because we were talking about the, you know, the significance of the different signs and the different elementals, and so thought it was kind of an interesting aside to bring up. Right. Um, now, each of these four groups kind of has its own quadrant, and they call them houses in this circle. Now, the division of these 12 houses is based on Earth's daily rotation, and it relates to the circumstances of relationships finances travel etc and the division of these 12 signs on the other hand is based on earth's year long rotation around the sun and relates to character traits and areas of life so kind of like venus represents affection mercury represents speech and writing mm-hmm. etc mm-hmm. now each planet is associated with two signs and then the sun and the moon with one each. Now, approximately 2000 BC, Babylonian astrologers believed that the sun, moon, and the five planets known at the time, Jupiter, Mars, Mercury, Saturn, and Venus, possessed distinct powers. And that's kind of where this comes from. Mars, you know, for example, it was red, so they associated it with aggression and war. Yeah. And that's and kind of where some of these
1: yeah. come from. And and of course, you know, Mars was the god of war. Exactly. You know, so...
0: Okay, so let's take a minute to talk about this week's sponsor, Care-of. Now, Care-of is a subscription service that makes it easy to get vitamins, protein powders, and more personalized just for you and delivered straight to your door. Now, the cool thing is you can go online and you can take Care-of's online quiz that asks you about your diet, your health goals, your lifestyle choices, and it only takes about five minutes or so to find out your personalized scientifically backed recommendations for vitamins protein powders all that stuff and we've all done it and it's amazing it's quick it's fun and the online quiz is now new and improved and it helps you learn if you are getting enough protein fiber and the good fats to determine if you could benefit from care new natural protein
1: powders Your personalized Kerov subscription box gets sent right to your door every month with personalized daily packs, great for busy on-the-go lifestyle, and they even say your name right on them. Kerov now offers protein powders in individual packets for the -the on-the-go or tubs, all personalized to your fitness goals and dietary preferences. Kerov's new protein powders have clean labels and are made with organic ingredients like cocoa, and Himalayan pink sea salt or whey from free range grass-fed cows from Ireland. Now, Amanda and I have both used care of and love it. Mm-hmm. And my my biggest proponent of it is when you start taking supplements, you don't really know what you're taking. Exactly. And and sometimes when you're a couple, you tend to just take the same things that the other person's taking. Mm-hmm. But with care of you get an individualized chart of what you should be taking for the goals you want to meet. So it's individualized for each person. That's awesome. Yeah, it's fantastic. Now, for 30% off your first Care-of order, go to TakeCareOf.com and enter the code GRAVE30. Right. So, again, that's
0: 30% off your first Care of order. Go to takecareof.com and enter the code GRAVE30. That's grave 30. Now, we got to kind of touch on horoscopes a little bit. Now, a horoscope is a map of this zodiacal circle, um, and it's got Earth at the center and the top of the circle represents the sun at its highest point during the day. The left and right are the eastern and western horizons. Your horoscope charts the relative positions of the sun, moon, planets, and stars at a specific time and place of your choosing, like Matt was saying earlier. So astrologers don't really use clock time. They kind of measure it in what they term as sidereal time. S-I-D-E Real time, um, and it's measured from the sun's position at the spring equinox. Now, once this date and time are selected and calculated, this time and the location known and plotted, the astrologer consults this astronomical ephemeris, and they construct your chart. That
1: brings up a really interesting point, Adam, talking about you know the charts. And so there's, there's a lot of different charts, but there are some that are much more common than others, mm-hmm. and one of those is the natal chart. Now, the natal chart is the map of where all the planets were in their journey around the sun from our vantage point on Earth at the exact moment that you were born. So an astrology chart reading can reveal your strengths and weaknesses, your opportunities for soul growth and the best timing for your most important moves. So to, to calculate your astrology birth chart, as Adam mentioned, you need your time, date, and place of birth because where you are on the earth changes your perspective on where the sun is at what time mm-hmm. of the year. Now, if you don't know your birth time, you can usually find it on your birth certificate. If you, if you really want to do this and, and you can't find it that way, you can contact the vital records office for where you live, and they can usually provide you with, you know, either the exact time or an approximate time of when you were born. If you can't find it that way, you can use 12 noon. And, and that should be a close approximation, but it's going to be more accurate if you have your exact time of birth. Now, like I said, with, without that birth time, you won't be able to learn your rising sign or what's called your ascendant. Now, the rising sign is the sign that was rising on the eastern horizon at the time of your birth. So the minute you popped into this world, whatever sign was rising on the eastern horizon, that's your ascendant. OK, and it and it's really important in in formulating these charts. But even with that, without that, you can still get a lot of in, uh, of information by just using your date and location of birth. So, it's worth looking into even if you can't find your birth time. Now, natal charts can indicate whether a person is outgoing, anxious, musical, technical, emotional. You know, it can be an indicator of a person's most likely profession. You know, in fact, anything that has a birth date can have a natal chart. So, Countries, cities, businesses, events can all have a horoscope that can be used to foresee the appropriate times for growth or expansion, new financial ventures, strife or unrest, or even demise. Now, the, the way they go about creating one of these charts, and like I mentioned earlier, although computers have made it faster, skilled astrologers learn how to do it the old-fashioned way. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like when they make you do long division in school. Yeah. You know, everybody uses a calculator now. Right. But it's important to know how to do it just in case. You got to do it by hand. That's right. You You know. So in order to do this, you get the person's time date and place of birth. Now, the time of birth is converted to Greenwich Mean Time. And the reason for this is that all planetary charts are calculated based on the time in London. I didn't know that. I didn't either. But I do now, and now you know it. Now, this time is applied to the table of houses, which you know Adam described, to determine the rising sign, which, again, is the sign rising over the eastern horizon when you're born. The remaining signs are then placed in order around the circle. Then the house divisions are placed along the chart. Now, these correspond to practical aspects of human life, like work, travel, family, money, etc. Now, the positions of the planets at birth are then determined, and that's when they use the book that Adam mentioned, an, an ephemeris, which is a book that logs the positions of astrological objects. The astrologer will chart the position of the planets at the time of birth. Now, each planet has different influences based on their positions. The relationship of one planet to another is just as important as the single planet's influence. Even the angles between the planets are calculated because they also play a role in the development of an accurate horoscope. Now, inferences can then be made on aspects such as love, marriage, popularity, financial success, etc. Now, the charts themselves are highly detailed. But, you know, like I said before, it takes a highly skilled uh, uh, astrologer to read them correctly, so e- even with you know being able to to draw one up on a computer, you still have to have human interpretation. So it, it it is it is a process and it is a detailed process to get it right. So that the next time you open up a magazine or a newspaper and you see your horoscope on there, then just know that the person that well hopefully hopefully yeah. <laughs> The person that did this is is looking at a detailed chart, you know, for, for this particular time, whether it's a month or a week or even a day. And and they have studied that chart for each individual zodiac sign mm-hmm. so that they can make those inferences. And, and again, it's not a predictor. It, it's It's not saying, for example, you're going to have an accident today. Right. It says you need to be careful today. You know, so don't go bungee jumping today. You know. I'm not gonna do that any no, day. No skydiving today, you know. <laughs> don't, do things that aren't on my don't, list. Don't take up tightrope walking, you nope. know. <laughs> things like that.
0: You're picking all the stuff I would never do. That's
1: right, you know. <laughs> you know, so yeah, well, okay, so let's let's make it more let's make it more usable. So let's say you have a car and a motorcycle. You get up that morning, you read your horoscope, uh, and and it says, you know, hey, you know, today might be a day that you need to use caution. You know, Saturn is in this house and, you know, whatever, and you need to be careful, you know, if you're a Taurus Mm -hmm. today. So maybe you take your Taurus to work instead of your motorcycle. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so it, so it works like that. It, it it's it's giving you guidance. It's not giving you, um, you know, demands. Sure. It, instead of saying, do this or do that or this is going to happen, it says stuff like you might want to consider. Doing this,
0: mm-hmm.
1: or consider not doing this, or wait three days and then do it. You know, ask that girl out on Wednesday instead of Monday. Mm-hmm. You know, um, buy that new whatever on a on Friday of this week instead of on Tuesday. You know, things like that. Um, because it, what it's what it's inferring is that your outcome will be more favorable. Mhm. Okay. So that's that's just a little bit about how these charts are are developed and made and and how they work in relation to development of a horoscope. As we mentioned, you know, that the time and place and date of your birth are crucial to getting an accurate astrological reading. Now, people are born every day and sometimes people are born at the exact same time. Mhm. People that are born on the same day at the same time are called astrological twins. Now, astrologers would predict that these twins would have very similar lives, even if they're separated by nationality, race, cultural beliefs, religious backgrounds, social status, whatever. Now, one such story of astrological twins is that of King George III and a lowly ironworker. Now, both men were born at the same time, on the same day, and only a few miles apart. Now, despite their obvious differences, both men inherited their father's business in the same month, they married on the same day, fathered the same number of male and female children, were ill at the same time, and suffered the same accidents. They even died within a few hours of one another, only a few miles apart. Now. When I read this, man, this sounds like a great story. I mean, you know, because mm-hmm. really, how, how in the world would would they have would they have connected King George to just a, a commoner? Found at the, the time?
0: information for that commoner,
1: but nonetheless, some somebody somebody did this, or somebody made a really good story. Um, but but due to this identical horoscope, you know, the astrologers are saying. That's why these two had very similar lives. Now, is that merely a sequence of coincidences, or was it something that's manipulated by astrologers to further their beliefs? Mm -hmm. You know, people can do that. You know, we can we can make little uh, that. Yeah, that looks like it's the same. You know, maybe maybe it's not, or maybe it just it's happenstance. Yep. You know, we don't really know.
0: We as humans do that all the time. We draw conclusions out of stuff that doesn't have a conclusion.
1: Exactly. Exactly. And th- again, that's that's where some of this bias that we've talked about comes in. You know, where I, I want to believe this, so um, I'm going to believe it. Now, as Adam went into uh, at the beginning of the show, ancient kings relied on astrologers to predict the best times for a lot of things. But One of the most important things that a a king or queen would use an astrologer for is when... To go to the bathroom. To go to the bathroom. I knew that was important. Which was a chore in a medieval (laughs) castle. (laughs) It sure was. Yeah, unpleasantness. Do
0: not go (laughs) at 12 noon. The heat in that bathroom will be...
1: Yeah, hey! If you if you're nervous about using a public bathroom now, imagine mm-hmm. if you lived in a castle yeah. where you might turn the corner and the guy's just sitting there, you know, dropping a deuce.
0: Yep. Hey, in a hole. Uh, how's it going? Yep. Hey, buddy. Yeah. Yep. Horoscope said time, huh?
1: <laughs> cool. <laughs> <laughs> but besides going to the bathroom, <laughs> it was used, um, to read the birth of a new heir. Right. So, you know, the, the queen is pregnant, and the king wants to know what's going to happen. Is, is, my, is my son going to be a conquering king? Is my daughter going to be a righteous queen? I want to know when, when it happens, what do, what do we expect? So one of these stories comes from 356 B.C., when King Philip II and his wife Olympias were expecting a child. Now, when Olympias went into labor, the court astrologer pleaded with the king to delay the birth as long as possible. How do you do that?
0: I don't know. (laughs) Don't let this baby come. You tie a
1: knot in something. But, you know, he told them if, if they were successful, this child would become one of the greatest leaders the world had ever known. Now, amazingly enough, Olympias was somehow able to delay the birth until the time the astrologer said was most favorable. And that son... A big cork. A big cork. <laughs> that son went on to become Alexander the Great. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, you know, if he was born three days earlier, he might still have been Alexander the Great. Or we, Ale- don't, we don't know. Alexander the meh. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Alexander the Grape. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> three days makes a difference. That's right. You could have been the great. Now, now you're the meh.
1: <laughs> Alexander the meh, you know, <laughs> he just sat around all yeah. day, ate turkey legs, yeah. like Henry the VIII. Um,
0: Watched Game of Thrones, yeah. did nothing.
1: <laughs> you know, that's something that I, you know, they, they, they touch on different things in Game of Thrones, you know, about astrology, but it's not, it's not real astrology. They right. They mention things about the stars and stuff, but. You know, it, it's, it was very, very common, mm-hmm. you know, in, in medieval times. Now, a, another court astrologer was pretty famous. He's a man by the name of John D. Now, John D. was the court astrologer for Queen Elizabeth I. Now, as the story goes, Queen Elizabeth was, or at this time, Princess Elizabeth, who was a daughter of Henry VIII, was imprisoned because her, uh, the, the king's wife, uh, Queen Mary, mm-hmm. was very jealous. And so she had imprisoned her, and if you believe the stories, was set for execution. Now, of course, Princess Elizabeth was very distraught, didn't see a way out of this. So she contacted John Dee, who was a well-known astrologer at the time, to come and, and read her future. Because she wanted to know, Mm -hmm. am I going to survive this? So he did. And he told her that she would survive and that she would become great. And she did. She survived. Queen Mary died. And she became Queen Elizabeth I. Now, because she felt so indebted to John Dee, she appointed him as the court astrologer. Now, one of the most famous... Interpretations that John Deed did was in fifteen eighty eight when he advised Queen Elizabeth on the timing of England's victory over the invading Spanish Armada. To know we're gonna win. You know, and and you know, this was not like, you know, hey, oh hey, the, the Spanish ships are coming. You know, I hope we win. Most people when they saw the Spanish Armada coming, they knew they were gonna lose. Sure. I mean, sure. they, were, they were a powerful navy at the time. So there was a lot of fear at having to face them. Mm-hmm. And so John D. saying, look, don't be afraid. Let's send our troops. The stars say we're going to be victorious. And they were.
0: That's amazing.
1: Yeah. So it wasn't just medieval kings and queens that used astrologers. Modern day leaders have used astrologers. Carl Kraft was an astrologer employed by Adolf Hitler. Now, when the Allied powers learned that Adolf Hitler was using an astrologer, they figured, eh, we're going to use one too. Yeah. And so what they hoped was that what the Western astrologer was telling them was the same thing that Kraft was telling Adolf Hitler, and that it would come to pass. Now, what Kraft told Hitler was that the Nor- the Northern African campaign was doomed to fail now Hitler being Hitler, he got mad and he threw Kraft into prison and he went forward with the northern African campaign anyway and and as history tells us, it failed miserably you know it was a turning point as you know the British were successful right but what Kraft had done was he had taken the charts. Of Rommel the the German general and Montgomery the British general and compared the two and that's where he saw that the British would be victorious mm-hmm. you know so Hitler should have listened I'm glad he didn't <laughs> right right <laughs> but if if we're just talking about you know a, you know a country's leader trying to make decisions on In in times of war, based on an an astrologer's recommendation, he didn't listen and he failed. Right. So um, even up to, you know, more recent times. So the 1980s, Ronald Reagan used astrologer Joan Quigley. Now, that was kept really quiet while Reagan was in office. And in fact, Joan Quigley was Nancy Reagan's astrologer. But, you know, how how better than to get in the president's ear than through the first lady? Sure. So her readings influenced it or influenced or predicted many of the events during the Reagan administration. Now, the time for Reagan's second inauguration was recommended by Quigley at 1157 a.m. Now, the chart was drawn for Washington, D.C., The sun was in Aquarius, which was Reagan's astrological sign. And Jupiter, which is the planet of growth, expansion, and opportunity, was next to the moon, which indicates popularity. Now, if you're going to run, if you're you're president, what better day and time to start a new term than when all of this is going on? Popularity, Mm -hmm. expansion, growth, opportunity. Plus, and, and the sun is in the house of your sign. So to an astrologer, this is like the perfect storm. Right. This is when it has to be done and it needed to, to begin at 1157 a.m. Now, Quigley was also successful in predicting the attempt on Reagan's life. Now, it was after this that President Reagan really began to consult her directly on even simple decisions. Now, Quigley would, would even determine the best time for Air Force One to take off when the president would travel. You know, so, I mean, like I said, everything revolves around the day and the time and where the sun and the moon are, you know, that they're going to tell you this is more favorable than this, Mm -hmm. not you're going to die in a plane crash. So don't go at this time. Right. It's everything about this trip will be better if you wait 12 hours before you leave. Mm -hmm. Okay. And he listened. Now, from late nineteen eighty six to early nineteen eighty seven, Quigley had become concerned with the movement of Uranus and Saturn. Now, you know, I, I get I get concerned with the movement of Uranus.
0: Uh, no, I know, I was just <laughs> thinking that. And
1: I, I think Adam I was, was concerned with the movement of mine because of this stupid chair. Yeah, exactly. Well, I, <laughs> I was actually just sitting here when you said that, and I'm like, do I make this joke? Do I know it, I'm, do I'm do in fourth grade. I can't help it. You know, I can't. Every time I see Uranus, I'm like, oh, I gotta make a joke.
0: <laughs> do I hit that low hanging fruit or do I just leave it there? Yeah,
1: that fruit is so low hanging; it's on the ground rotting. You're stepping on it, yes, pushing it. <laughs> But because of that relationship, I'm wearing a hat today, which I don't usually wear a hat. Everything and now is I keep, weird. I keep hitting, I keep hitting the mic with the bill of my hat.
0: You should have consulted your should astrologer. Have,
1: should I wear a hat today? Yeah. Outcome not favorable. <laughs> Adam will hate you. <laughs> it's like you know, I'm going to just start using a magic eight ball and then compare the two and yeah. see what happens. But but for she felt like that the movement of those two planets indicated assassination. So for four months, president Reagan did not leave the white house. The only time he left was to go deliver the state of the union address. Okay. Now that's taking somebody serious. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to leave my house (laughs) for four months.
0: Yeah. I couldn't do it
1: because an astrologer told me that this time is right. For an assassination attempt, mm-hmm. because of the way the planets are aligned. I don't know about that. <laughs> uh, I, yeah, I, I
0: don't think I could do it. Uh, I really I, don't I, think yeah, I could. I'd, I'd,
1: I'd be skeptical.
0: i leave the house way too much for... To, I know. ...to sit at home for four months.
1: I know, I know. But one of the things that, that Quigley really um, guided President Reagan on and in essence, you know, guided the change throughout the world was that by reading Mikhail Gorbachev's um, horoscope, by charting him, she was able to tell Reagan that this was a man that you could do business with. This was somebody that was open and favorable to negotiations. And of course, during Reagan's administration, we saw the the beginning of the end of the Cold War. Mm-hmm. I mean, with even the, the, the fall of the Berlin Wall, all based on the fact. I mean, of course, we knew during Reagan's administration, you know, he called the Soviet Union the evil empire. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't like publicly he looked like he was all that interested in trying to work out negotiations with the Soviet Union. Right. But he did based on Quigley's recommendation that, that Gorbachev was a man that he could relate to that was willing to work. And, and you see what happened. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's very interesting that not only are these world leaders looking to astrology, they're listening and seeing favorable results, favorable results. I can't talk. You got it there. Eventually. I never I feel like I say, I can't talk every show. Um, but not just in world politics. You know, the, there are financial astrologers, mm-hmm. okay? Henry Weingarten is a financial astrologer or astro-economist. Now, he accurately predicted the Tokyo market cl- market crash two years earlier and within two days of the event. Hmm. Now, business horoscopes work very similar to personal horoscopes. They outline influences, probabilities, and possible outcomes to guide rather than dictate a decision. Mm-hmm. You know, again, it's a, so, hey, you're, you're going to open up a new business or, or you're going to expand your business. The month of April may not be the time to do it. Why don't, why don't you wait till June when Jupiter and Saturn and the moon or all this, they're more favorable for you. And it, again, it's specific. You know, they wouldn't tell, you know, business A, okay, you need to expand in June. And then tell business B, okay, you need to expand in June as well because June is a great month. No. They're going to look at the horoscope for business A and business B, and they're going to make an inference for both of them mm-hmm. based on when they began, where they began, you know, w- what had happened up until that point. And then they're going to use those readings to say, okay, business B, you need to expand in the last quarter of the year. Business A. You need to do it, you know, in in the second or third quarter, in the summer months, or in in a specific month, you know, or you need to do this at a specific time of day, Mm because it's going to be more favorable for you. Now, listening to all this, as we mentioned at the beginning, you can see why scientists will shun astrology as a legitimate science. Sure. I mean... It, it there's a there's a lot. In fact, most of it is up to interpretation. I mean, the only thing that that to me makes this like a science is the you know the tracking of planetary movement. But you know what? That is a science, mm-hmm. and it's called astronomy. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> so essentially, you're taking astronomy, and you're gonna you're you're gonna use that information to make these inferences. So you're guessing, kind of. Kind of, yeah. In a way. Um, Which guesswork doesn't always make it a science. Even though scientists guess a lot, they're educated guesses. Mm -hmm. Now, if you talk to a well-trained astrologer, they're going to tell you that their guesses are educated guesses too because they're looking at so much data. Right. And maybe they are. It's still kind of hard for me to buy into. Um, The idea that planetary movement... The position of the stars, the sun, and the moon really affect our personalities, our futures. You know, what we do and don't, how we succeed or fail seems a little far-fetched to me. I mean, it's definitely interesting. And it's fun to read um, and kind of look at it. Like I said, you know, just kind of looking back and saying, what what was this accurate to me? I mean, look at what your descriptors are for your zodiac sign and see, you know, do these fit? Mm Mm-hmm. Chances are you'll probably make yourself fit. Right. You know, it's like for me personally, Aquarians tend to be um, a little more outgoing, creative, um, artistic, musical, things like that, which, you know, I am. Um, But that doesn't mean that you have to be an Aquarian to be all those things. Sure. You know, I could have just as easily been a Capricorn because I'm only within a day really of the traditional dates. You know, mm-hmm. if if I had if I had come a day early, I would be a different sign. Do I think I would be a different person now? I don't because of when I was born? I don't think so.
0: Right. You know. So that kind of brings us to the point in our show where we ask you guys what y'all think. You know, do y'all believe in astrology? Have you had your birth chart done? Have you you know, do you read your horoscope on a daily basis or a weekly basis or whatever? Do y'all believe that it it's legit or do you believe that it is just a pseudoscience like most, you know, scientists and, and doctors and stuff will tell you? Let us know. Hit us up. Tell us what you think. Do you practice astrology are you an astrologer yeah you know would you like to set us straight on things that we got wrong because you know <laughs> we probably got a lot wrong we probably got a lot wrong and we will be more than happy to <laughs> talk to you and re- recant if we got anything wrong you that's know? right
1: remember we, we're we're scratching the surface on a lot of these subjects that you may have heard of you you may have read about but you just don't know and Adam and I dig a little bit deeper, mm-hmm. you know, to give you some more of that information. Because, like I said, it this is interesting stuff.
0: It really is. And our goal, like we've said before, is is dig a little bit deeper, get you a decent foothold in knowledge, and then if you want to go further, go further.
1: Yeah, you have know. at it. So, um, we we want to thank our sponsor for tonight's show, Care of. Um, it's a great company. Give them a shot. Um, Adam, myself, Amanda, we, we've all used it um, and, and have been very pleased. Uh, go to our website. It's graveyardpodcast.com. And on the website, you can listen to the show. You can learn more about Adam and myself. Uh, you can become a patron. And we want to thank everyone that has donated to the show. And you can find links to buy our merchandise. Okay, check us out on social media, on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Just go search Graveyard Tales, and uh, please rate and review us on iTunes. It's the easiest way to get people to find us, and it brings more folks to the graveyard. It really helps. It really helps. So, until next time, we'll save you a seat in the graveyard.
0: See you soon.